Hello, and welcome to another edition of Plugged In, Con Edison's podcast about all things related to energy. I'm your host, Philip O'Brien. 2020 is the year that seems like everything and anything has been thrown at us. The COVID-19 pandemic, economic problems, severe weather, and all those issues have affected energy companies too. And that's what we'll be talking about today on Plugged In. Joining me is Dr. Ted Curry, Director of Energy Studies at the Public Utility Research Center, or PERC, at the University of Florida. He's joining us from Florida, but he studies the energy industry across the country and the world. Welcome, Dr. Curry. Let's start with severe weather, because it is hurricane season, and already names like Laura, Derecho, and Isaias have become all too familiar. Severe storms cause damage to utilities' infrastructure and outages to their customers. It appears to be getting worse or maybe more frequent. Tell us, is it all about climate change or is some of it due to the way electric systems are set up? Thank you, Philip. That's an interesting challenge that we face in the utility industry in that Regardless of the, the, the conditions that are thrown at us, it's nearly impossible to completely isolate utility infrastructure from the threat of damage. So the choices that we make when locating infrastructure basically come down to what types of threats are we most concerned with. So for example, when we have above ground power lines, they are more vulnerable to threats from wind events, from uh, flying debris, from falling trees, damage of that nature. But when we take those power lines and we put them underground, we're isolating them from those types of threats, but now we've introduced a vulnerability to water incursion, storm surge, and flooding. So it's really about choices. What types of damage are you most concerned with? And then the, the understanding that you're going to have to accept the risk of other types of damage. Is, is this approach across the board, is it understood by most utilities and the, the regulators or government agencies that they come under? I think most utilities understand the trade-off. The complication is communicating that to other stakeholders. It's very common to hear questions like, should we be undergrounding everything? Or should we underground none of the infrastructure? It's, I haven't, with the understanding that I haven't studied every utility system out there, uh, I can't really imagine a situation where a blanket approach, do everything or do nothing, would, much, would make much economic sense because of that trade-off. Changing the location of your infrastructure, it costs something. And it's the responsibility, typically, of the utility regulator to ensure that that cost that's ultimately being paid by the customers is providing value. It's providing uh, an increase in their quality or their reliability of the service that they enjoy. And because what you really want to avoid is a situation where you're asking people to pay more and making things worse. And because of this nature, because some areas are more susceptible to storm surge and flooding, 
You know, other areas are more susceptible to wind events. It's very unlikely that a single, you know, let's underground everything or let's not underground anything approach would make much economic sense. Well, that's a good segue into your describing for us the work of PERC, the Public Utility Research Center, because you deal a great deal, not only with utilities, but with the regulators and try to tell us what you try to do. Sure, thank you. Um, the Public Utility Research Center is what's known as a soft money center in university circles, which means um, we don't get any money from the, the state or federal government. We don't get any money from the university itself. We basically earn all of our revenue through our own uh, programs and research. One of our main research initiatives right now that relates directly to this is we are the coordinating agency for the Florida Storm Hardening Research Cooperative. This is a cooperative made up of all 54 electric utilities in Florida. So the, um, the investor-owned utilities, the, the municipal utilities, and the co-ops. And they basically all come together to talk about this question of how do we make our electricity system more resilient to storm hardening. And as a result of that cooperative approach, we've had a number of important initiatives over the last 13 years. And here at PERC, we are fortunate enough to get a chance to work with all those utilities on these types of questions all the time. So over the span of that collaborative effort among these different utilities and other stakeholders, do you have any facts or figures that would demonstrate savings, not just in money, but perhaps uh, less severe damage or fewer outages, any sort of matrix that we could learn about? As a result of this broader effort, the, the Florida Pub that was established by the Florida Public Service Commission back in 2007, um, one of the products that's come out of this is an annual, um, uh, an annual meeting in Tallahassee, typically before each uh, storm season, where all the utilities get together and they talk about what are the types of things that they are doing to prepare for storms, how have those types of initiatives performed, and what are their plans for the future. And this is all done in a, a public meeting at the Public Service Commission where uh, you know, any interested stakeholder can attend, learn more about what the utilities are doing. It's a valuable tool for the regulator because they get some insight into what the utilities are doing and how those things are performing. And further, if there's something that the city of Orlando can learn from Florida Power and Light, or the Duke can learn from Lee County Electric Cooperative, they have an opportunity to engage with each other. You know, what's worked, what hasn't. And so um, a couple of years ago, the 2017 conference, I believe, uh, Florida Power and Light uh, shared some uh, really pretty startling data uh, with the rest of us where they talked about how back in the 2004-2005 storm season, which then predates this effort, um, uh, in that storm season, on average, they restored about 55% of their customers uh, within 48 hours of an outage as a result of the storms. But from Hurricane Matthew in 2016, they restored power to 98.7% of their customers within 48 hours. You know, that, rec that uh, um, 
you know, that that's a significant improvement. And, you know, it's kind of functions almost as a before and after, you know, before we started having these talks, this was our performance in restoring outages. You know, now that we've been talking about what we can do to make the grid more resilient, this is what our performance looks like today. To me, it was a very dramatic example of what this type of effort can accomplish. And can you share with us perhaps one or two of those best practices that resulted in um, those uh, that decline in outages or, or, and, and increased restoration? Specifically in the case of Florida Power and Light, they had implemented a number of technologies to, um, uh, to make individual delivery points uh, a bit more resilient. So they had a better information flow on their system and it allowed them to divert power from uh, one area to another to ensure or to help with the overall power flow on the system. But I think the broader lesson here is that this was um, an initiative that everybody had, where everybody had an understanding of the, the decision framework, that everybody had a say in what they were doing to prepare. So, you know, the utility was not doing this by themselves. You know, the regulator has, as I talked about, that overarching responsibility to ensure value to the customer. And the customer has to be involved at some point because they're the ones paying for all of it. And if there isn't the value proposition from their standpoint, you know, is it worth it to achieve, you know, these level of savings, then, you know, there's no assurance that they're getting basically their money's worth for uh, what they're being asked to pay. So the bigger takeaway for me is this idea that everybody has a role in this process. It's not just something the consumers can do by themselves or the utility can do by themselves or the regulator can do by themselves. It takes everybody. And of course, the most dominant issue so far in 2020 has been the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Um, in New York City, where Con Edison is headquartered, we became the initial epicenter last spring when it first struck the United States. And the company set up a pandemic team and certain new innovative procedures that in turn were modeled by other utilities who thought that we had done a good job. What would be your assessment and, and overall the broader assessment of utilities uh, handling the pandemic in light of what they do. They have to provide a service and they have to interact with the public. The response to the pandemic is posing a special challenge for utilities. Most um, countries around the world and uh, most states in the United States implemented some sort of moratorium on uh, disconnections, late fees, things of that nature. Uh, in order to make sure that people were still able to receive these essential services, even when their ability to pay was being impacted by, you know, the, the state of the economy and various government responses to the pandemic. We're not at a point where we can look back and say there's a particular best way to handle it because for a lot of utilities, this is still ongoing. You know, there are some states in the U.S., there are some countries around the world that have lifted their moratorium on disconnections 
or on late charges, but not everybody has. So California, for example, has um, uh, committed to keeping these moratoria in place until at least uh, 2021. I understand that Con Edison is still, uh, their moratorium is still in place and no date has been set for when it's going to be lifted. Uh, for the, con for the uh, countries and the states that have started to lift, I think the biggest challenge has been taking a look at what is the impact. So as they lift the moratorium, are they getting a lot of disconnections now? Uh, because people still aren't able to, to pay the bill or you know, do they lift the moratorium and they're finding out that, well, you know, people are starting to pay. I think that response is gonna be very important as folks measure you know, what is the impact, ultimate impact of this on the consumer. The other piece of it, though, is that you know, this money that is being uh, basically the collections, the forbearance that the utilities are being asked to, um, to extend, it's not free money. You know, there's no such thing as free money, as much as we might uh, hope that there is. So these are still costs that are being incurred either by society or by the utilities, and eventually those costs have to be recovered. So some states, uh, not too many states have started to look at the question of cost recovery. Um, as you mentioned, there are a lot of states that are still in this process of uh, a disconnection moratorium. But the states that have started to look at it, they're struggling with the basic question is, do you take these costs and do we assign them to the, the people who actually um, you know, incurred them, use the service? Or are we taking an approach where <clears throat> we're socializing them? Um, you, you hear a lot of talk about um, you know, basically the government uh, you know, making some of these payments. But keep in mind, you know, just the same way that the utilities get their money from the people, ultimately, you know, governments get their money from the people too. So, you know, whichever way we handle these uh, um, arrears that have been built up, it's still ultimately going to be the people paying. I think all of the, the policy that regulators, that governments establish, it's really just going to establish how do they pay, not whether they pay. Um, as we approach the end of the podcast, I, I would like to ask you a question which I'm going to presume, had I asked you this six months ago, you would have had a, a, a somewhat different answer, but where do you see the overall energy industry in say 2025? One of the things I've said about the, uh, the COVID pandemic and our responses is that when, you, when utilities, when governments, when regulators are doing scenario planning for the future and looking at things, you know, what might happen to disrupt our business. Uh, we definitely added a new page uh, with this. I, I don't think anybody's scenario plans included this idea of, hey, you know, what if we uh, you know, completely disrupt commercial and industrial consumption, shifted all the residential customers, and oh, by the way, no one's gonna be able to pay their bills for three months. Uh, I don't think that was part of anybody's plans, but I think something like that is, we're gonna start at least looking at something like that a, a bit more seriously. I think one thing this pandemic is doing for the utility industry in general, it is showing us different ways we can accomplish this idea of utility service. A lot of times, especially in the electricity 
business, but it extends to, to gas and water to an extent. We tend to equate utility service with the provision of the commodity itself. So that is electricity service is just the provision of kilowatt hours. And, uh, and, and water service is just the provision of you know, gallons of water to your home or wastewater away from your home. I think we're starting to change the way we think about this idea of utility service. And I think this is being hit home really to all of us. Um, you know, what we expect, uh, what we need to be comfortable, and what is the value to consumers. So you know, I, I think that the pandemic is teaching us new ways to do the things that we've already done. I think it's teaching us about uh, you know, new aspects of utility service that maybe we took for granted and maybe we're not gonna take it for granted anymore. Uh, but I think it's also teaching us new ways to grow. It's showing us what we can do if we really have to, because we've had to. And personally, I think that bodes well for the entire utility sector going forward. I don't know, you know when this is going to get back to normal or what even the new normal looks like, but I think we're gonna learn from this. I think we're gonna come out of it with a more resilient, uh, more responsive system that quite frankly, better meets the needs of the people. Well, lots to look forward to there. Thank you, uh, Dr. Ted Curry, um, Director of Energy Studies at the Public Utility Research Center, known as PERC, at the University of Florida. And that's our show. If you have a comment or question, please email us at podcasts at coned.com. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you follow us on social media, you'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Our handle is at Con Edison. I'm Philip O'Brien. Until you hear us the next time, thank you.